Hey, one more thing before you go. UFOs, lizard people, hybrids living among us. That's all coming in this episode. Welcome to the month of October in a special set of This is October 21, and in keeping with the tradition of the spooky, the paranormal, the spiritual, and the unusual, between now and Halloween, we're going to bring you a fantastic series of interviews that are going to scare you, spook you, make you think about the possibilities of what's really out there. In our first of this series of four, we're going to talk to a woman who is enjoying an evening dinner with her husband, who claims to be an intergalactic ambassador. And they both were visited by a UFO, not once, but twice while they were celebrating their anniversary while he was in prison. Kind of unusual twist. We're also going to learn what it's like to be married to an inmate and how that helped her to be interested in UFOs, elementals, magic, and the paranormal. I'm your host, Michael Hirsch, and this is That Thing About UFOs, Lizard People, and Hybrids Among Us. My guest in this episode is Joanne Richards. She's a native Californian. She has an Associate of Arts degree in film production and accounting. Really different lifestyle now. She's the mother of a successful grown daughter, and she's a proud grandmother of three. She's an international speaker on the topics of UFOs, extraterrestrials, and military involvement with such topics an active member of the Mormon Church for nearly 30 years before leaving it behind, she fully embraced the world of UFOs, elementals, magic, and paranormal, which had long spoken to her, deep in her soul, actually. She had just published her first book, Midlife Magic, that ties it all together. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited about our conversation today. I think that you've Me got uh, a heck of a story to tell. <laughs> And from several different perspectives, actually. Really? And I'm looking forward to unfolding unfolding your life. So most of my people know I like to start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Southern California in the suburbs of Los Angeles. I think we lived in uh, probably Hollywood and then a little town called La Puente. And then we moved to Whittier. And then my dad was transferred to San Francisco, so I finished high school in San Francisco, not in San Francisco, but in Lafayette, California. Do you have any brothers and sisters? I have two sisters and one brother. I am child number three, so I'm the middle child. I, I relate to that middle child thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's unique. It is very unique. <laughs> and we were certainly treated differently than the, the youngest child. Or the oldest child, actually. It's true. You know, I, I had to learn. I had to learn the uh, value of being a middle child as I grew up. So you and I have that in common. I know you went to school, and I mentioned earlier in the intro that you were there for film studies and for accounting. Those kind of two opposite things. How do they? Fit? It's funny because when I went to college right out of high school, I was a home economics major, and then I got started getting married. And so then when I needed to go back to work after a divorce, I needed some job skills. So I went to took business classes and that's how I started my accounting career. And I've basically been doing that for over 40 years or almost 40 years. Like in my late forties, my current husband said, why don't you go take some film classes at the community college? That should be fun. Said, okay. I don't know why, but sure. 
And so I did that. And at the age of 50, I got my first associate's degree in film production. And that was a lot of fun. I really like film editing. And once you could trans transfer over to the smaller video cameras instead of the big film cameras, it was a lot easier for me to handle the camera. So I didn't mind filming. And then after that, I finally went back and took the last few classes I needed to get my associates in accounting, even though I'd been doing that. I've been a bookkeeper forever. So, um, but I, now I have the degree. Yeah, that makes, that works. That makes sense. Yeah. When I left, when I first left the police department, actually before I left the police department, I had a love for film and for television. And I personally, I created a couple of film festivals. So when oh. I retired, that's what I went and, and had done in spite of what they diagnosed me at. I think it was more along the lines of proving trying to prove the doctors wrong. See, you're not going to stop me. See what I just did? But yeah, uh, so we have that in common. I love for film. I did two international film festivals and then five screenwriting conferences in Las Vegas and taught people how to write screenplays and produce them and wow. pitch them and these kind of things. And a, a documentary film, actually. So nice. We, we actually have a lot in common. Yes, we do. So I know that you talk about one husband, but I know that you've been married before a number of times, actually. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, like after my sophomore year of college, I married my first husband and that lasted about a year. So I'm on husband number seven. We'll just throw that out there. I got married and we lasted about a year and we split up while we were living in Utah and we split up. I moved back to Connecticut where my family was living. Then I moved back to California and after a while, I met husband number two. And after a month, we got married. And and then he actually committed suicide. Had we been married a year yet? I don't even think we've been married a year yet. But I, I've lost track of the dates. But anyway, I had a, my daughter was born like a, you know, less than a year later. And when she was five weeks old, he committed suicide. So there's that. And then when she was a toddler, I met husband number three. And we were married for about five years. We lived together for about three, and it took another two years to get a divorce. So that that was horrible. And then I met husband number four. And none of these courtships were very long, so we can get into that if you want. But none of these courtships were very long. The courtship for number two was the shortest, though. But number four, we got married. And again, that probably lasted about a year. And I realized what a jerk he was. We got divorced. And then I met husband number. It's like after a little while, then I'd go back to the dating scene and met husband number five. And we lasted for about five years and then gave it up. And and then I was this, let's see, about another year later or less, I met husband number six. And my daughter was moving to, well, she was going off to Japan to be a foreign exchange student and and I didn't really want to be alone. So I said, oh, sure, let's, we'll get married. And we got engaged before she was going. But once she got back and I was realizing, okay, this marriage isn't going so well. And we split up for a while and then we reconciled. And then I said, I think we need to go to counseling. No, it's all your problems. Yeah, no. So we split up and you know that took a couple of years before we decided to really get a divorce. And several years later, a few years later, I met my current husband. We've actually been together for over 20 years and we've been married almost now we've been married 19. I, I gauge it by my oldest grandchild is going to be 19. So he was born a 
few months after we got married. So I can always remember how long I've been married by his birthday. That that works. That's unique. That, that's that's why I remember my anniversary because both my ah. kids were born in the same month as my anniversary. Oh. So we have a very expensive September. My, oh, we have an expensive July here. There are yeah. lots of July birthdays. And he we got married on my birthday because I decided it let's make it easy on him to have to remember one less date. <laughs> exactly. You just do it all at once. Here we go. So we yeah. look for September, we go, okay, here's September. So now on occasionally we've tried to mix it all together, see. So we're gonna celebrate your birthday and our anniversary. So we're gonna come out and visit you. And then it covers it all at once. We were gonna do that this year with the July birthdays and there was one restaurant some of us wanted to go to and one of my granddaughters is a vegan, and so she really wouldn't have been able to eat there. And then she was gone most of July, so the rest of us just went out, and yeah, you know, and that was fine. <laughs> a different place, but it was really it was good. So it was you know, interesting. We celebrated all together. Well, you you almost got Elizabeth Taylor's record. I almost got what? Elizabeth Taylor's record. I know. Oh, I'm not almost. trying for it. I'm not trying for the record. <laughs> You just right shopped around. Yeah, you shopped around until you got the right one. See, this works. Yeah. And it's like when I went to my 20th high school reunion, I won the prize for being married the most times. And by that time, I'd been married five times. Yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is, the prize was like a magnum of champagne, and I didn't drink at all at that point. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, like, well, gave it, gave it to somebody else. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, Who does drink? To, so it's, here, you have this. I can't. I don't drink it. You go back to the high school reunion, and they have a prize for that. It That's did. unique. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, we really wouldn't. I got lucky. I've divorced once, but my current wife, we've been married for 32 years. I'm very, I'm very grateful in that regard, in spite of Great. all the other troubles. And through the injury, through the rehab, through the everything we spoke about prior to the interview, it's uh, very unique to be able to do that. And again, Again, kudos to you for staying married for this 20 years. And this husband in, in this meeting is unique, isn't it? It is. It is. He's been in prison for almost 40 years, since 1980. He was arrested in 1982 for something he didn't do. And his trial was in 84. He's been in state prison since 1984. And I met him in 1997, the end of 1997. And we courted for five years. And um, got to know each other really well, and then we got married. So I'm going to ask you. you I'm going to ask you a strange question. I'm sure you may have probably been asked this before. How do you court somebody that's in prison? We started because I couldn't. I didn't meet him in person until we'd known each other for two months. Because, because like the person who processed the applications for visiting had either died in a car accident or had been in a car accident. I forget the, the circumstances, but anyway, there was nobody processing. So we had two months to write each other. We've developed this habit of just writing each other almost pretty much every day for the last 20 some odd years because he doesn't call me much. Um, he saves his phone call time mostly for his children. So there's that. And and when we met, we could visit four days a week. So we would go and we did just talk. So that's we've done more talking in 20 some odd years than probably most married couples and certainly more than I ever did before I got married to anybody else. And it was, it was talking about, you know, lots of different topics. So you really got to know the person and their inner workings and not just, okay, do you go to church and do you have a job and do you want to pray and blah, blah, you right. know. The basic <laughs> stuff. All yeah. the basic stuff. Yeah. You probably get more, you, well, it gets more personal, I think. that you know, Right. 
it's more right. personal that way, I think. The earlier, uh, and you may have said this earlier, I may have read this in the material that you sent me, but he's in prison for a crime that you say he did not commit. He's He was accused and convicted of masterminding a murder that happened in Northern California in 1982. And the kids that did the murder said that he masterminded the whole thing. And so in the state's eyes, that's the same as first degree murder. So he's been in prison since 1984 for first degree murder. Now he's, he is, I've, I've seen where he's been referred to as a captain in the United States Navy. He is, yes, he is basically retired, obviously. Yes, from that perspective. So that's, <laughs> and, and that in itself is unique, I think. It, it in is, because regard- he started out in the Army and then he, and he'd had some Navy experience a little bit before the Army, but he went into the Army and then went to Vietnam and came out and then went back or went to the Navy and then was doing like intelligence work and he was Air Force Special Forces and he's been all over the place. And he's got a unique, a very unique story within his own right in regard to the paranormal and to he does um, he's been around paranormal stuff elemental the fairy realm he's been around ufos pretty much his whole life he's probably saw aliens when he was like two or three because his dad worked at wright patterson air force base and took him down below ground down in the belly of the base and he probably saw stuff so He's been around it his whole life, and his dad was, and probably his grandfather was. So it's just, it's basically part of the family. I know that you talk about a, a unique uh, six, uh, can I say your age on air? Of course, I don't, yeah. 65th birthday and a wedding anniversary oh, yeah. is the same. Yeah, you had a, a, yeah. an interesting, yeah. interesting gift. It was, sure. So at the pr- the prison, if you're eligible, you're allowed to have what's called a family visit. So you get two days alone with each other in an apartment at the prison and the guards check on the guy several times a day. But we able- actually had a family visit like r- that covered the date of my birthday, which is our anniversary. And so that was really nice. And he fixed me a really nice dinner and uh, got me that our wedding cake was a hostess cupcake two of them squished together. He managed to get some cupcakes. So we had just a lovely dinner and that was great. And we were sitting down to watch a movie and then it was time for him to go. We had to go out to the outer door and get count. You know, the guard comes to the door and counts and make sure you're there and you're alive and all that. And then it was a you know, beautiful July night. He was standing out on the patio and saying, come out here. And I went out there and he goes, look up. And there is this huge triangular craft flying like a thousand feet above where we were at the prison and there's like a grate over the patio so there's no there's not a ceiling there so we could see up into the sky and it was going slowly and i could see the red lights so that i could tell it was a triangle and you could tell from like the shadowy edges it was a triangle and you could hear this engine or whatever the propulsion system was and it went really slowly and it's okay and then it, it turned and came back and did it two times. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, those are your friends. Aren't they flying by to say hello? And yes. And I go, that's not, well, I said before that, I said, that's not one of our craft. He goes, no. And I go, those are your friends. Yes. And he wanted to say hi to you. And I said, okay, I've had UFO sightings before, but like that one was obviously the most close and up. You, 
I could see it with my naked eye. It was just like, ugh. it was fabulous. It was so exciting. And it was like the best birthday present ever. And yeah, I, don't I, would, know, I don't know if he arranged it or whatever, but yeah, it was fabulous. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I think that you said that wasn't your first experience with a UFO, but that was the now, most close-up experience with a UFO. That is the most close-up because I've been with groups where we've used night vision goggles or I've been watching the screen and the main guys doing night vision goggles. So you can see stuff that's way far out there. I've also had sightings where I'll be on a walk with some people. And this one time in Phoenix, I was uh, staying with some friends and we were walking one night and good uh, girl, ladies, that star is like winking. Hello. It's like winking, flashing. Hello to us. I go, that, that's not a star. Do you see that? Yes. They're going, yeah, no. And so we all agreed it was not just your normal star. And every time I go somewhere, Mark says, well, be, remember to look up. And so I'm always looking up when I'm walking around and I get back and visit him. And he goes, I go, it was like your friends were saying hello. Yeah, they follow you and make sure you're okay and watch wherever you are. And I go, okay, that was pretty cool. And another time I was in England and I was out walking the, the hills with some other friends. And we were actually looking for fairies. And we're looking up as the stars are coming out. And there's this one star that kind of just moved like horizontally and then it zigzagged. And I'm going, okay, that's just not the normal look for a star coming out. And I go, okay, that's again. And like the night before that, we'd seen something way far in the sky. My friend had taken a picture of it. And so there was a, almost like a drone craft following us just to make sure, because his friends like to follow me and make sure I'm protected. So those are cool. And then another time I was driving from our California house to the prison he's at, which is about an hour away, or at that time he might've been two hours away. I can't remember if he'd been moved yet. And I was leaving really, yeah, it was the two hour one. He's in Sacramento. And so I had to leave really early in the morning, like five, six o'clock in the morning. And so I'm driving along this two lane highway and I'm looking up and there's, again, this, what you'd think is a star, this big bright light in the sky. And then all of a sudden it was gone. And then it would come back and then also it was gone because certain craft, they have a way to cloak themselves or refract the, reflect the light. And I said, yeah, that's my friends again, trying to tell you hello. Tell so I've, I've had some great experiences. I can't hear you. Yeah. Thanks. When I bump over to you, it automatically mutes. So uh -huh. when I bumped over to you, I forgot to press the uh, unmute button. But uh, yeah, that's very unique, actually. I think that my wife and I are extremely interested in, in UFOs. When I was about 14 or 15 years old, I had seen my first one. Oh. And I, I was actually, I was out walking in the evening. It was down in Southern Colorado. And I just happened to, to stop and I'm le leaning up against a, a light pole that was flickering on and off. And I looked up and I saw this thing zigzagging across the sky. And not like a helicopter, not like a, a plane. It was going too fast. And then it stopped. And I <laughs> my eyes a little bit, looking at it again. And then it zigzags across to show me, hey, yeah, we really are here. The thing, Not and a I, satellite. <laughs> yeah, not a satellite. With Nanny, you're not crazy kind of a thing. So, you know, that that's always stuck with me. How far south in southern Colorado were you? Trinidad, actually. Is that close to the New Mexico border? Uh, Trinidad is right across the border from New Mexico. Raton, New Mexico is probably 50 miles over okay. the border. Dulce is. And do you know where Dulce is? Yeah, it's at the north northwest 
pretty close to the northwest part of Colorado. It's a very tiny town. It's part of a Native American reservation. And then right across the, the border is like a resort town, I think, where there's some hot springs. Anyway, there's a lot of UFO activity in Dulce because there's a base underground there. But I was thinking if you were close enough to that, that could have been part of because there's still, you know, there's ships going in and out of there a lot. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, and you say Dulce is where? It's in the northern part of New Mexico, like in the west part of yeah, New Mexico. So we go we, when we drive back to Colorado, we go up through Santa Fe, New Mexico. And so from oh, Santa Fe... Or Albuquerque, then Santa Fe. We go, or one of those two. We either go down through oh, Albuquerque okay. and then straight up up the highway right. through from Albuquerque up through, or we go Santa Fe and then up and over Raton Pass. And okay, and so it's show. probably like when I fly, have flown in there, I go into Albuquerque and then drive straight north. Basically, it's four hours from Albuquerque, <laughs> and it's definitely in the mountains. So. Yeah, so that's why well, I have a cousin that lives down in that area. Maybe she lives close to that. Yeah. But it was very unique to us, and we're always on the back porch looking and watching, and we're yeah. fascinated by it. And we know that they're out there, obviously. They are. Anybody that thinks that uh, they're not, I, without offending anybody, the reality <laughs> is we can't be the only ones in this wide, immense universe that we live in. We know that there's got to right. be life outside of all of that. Have you had any up-close and personal contact with, with any UFOs or with an extraterrestrial? That's the closest one I've had with the UFO, the one a couple of years ago in July. And I would say I've never had an in-person contact with an, an ET, but I have seen, I've met a hybrid because the first time I had a booth in 2005 at a UFO conference, a young man came up to me and he always wore a hat and he had gloves on and a scarf, but he, he was very well covered. I and mean, you could see his face for the most part, but he had very unique skin and whatever. And I was describing him to Mark later. And he said, he is, he knew who he was, but, and he was a form of a reptilian hybrid. His mother was human and his father is a raptor. So yeah. Uh, when you mentioned reptilian, I'm going to ask you this question here. This is, conversation may go off really in a different direction. My wife and I had uh, watched this program in particular with this individual that uh, believes and really presented his case in a very good way with regard to the fact that there are two, two, two sides. There's like reptilians, which are more negative, is what this is what he's saying. Reptilians, with, which are more negative, and then that they are like around uh, Pluto and, you know, and around this arena. And then there's the other side of the, like the greys on the other side of it, in that the reptilians and the greys are like a good and an evil. What do you think about that? Number one, there's hundreds of species and there are many types of reptilians and two types alone originated on earth. There are several species of greys. Some are good and some aren't. There's a, a specific, I mentioned the raptors a lot. Uh, the raptors that originated here, they are actually our allies. They're allies with the human species. And they have been since at least 1952 when my father-in-law met them. There's their, their cousins who evolved into a more of a human looking form are definitely very negative and they are involved with some high level terrorism things on the planet at this moment. 
And there's also some negative ones that are out in space. And there's good and bad on all sides. And the there's just more numerous species than I could I could tell you about lots of them. But I I try not I try to educate people not to lump all reptilians together because they're not all alike. And some of them are wonderful and friendly and a lot of them aren't but a lot of them are or some of them are and one of the things i would say is there are treaties in place to ban open communication between humans and non-humans so that's one of the reasons we don't see them you know they don't drop into my house so that's when you say open treaties are you talk about open treaties between intergalactic or open treaties as in the government knows that they're here and the government has these open treaties with extraterrestrials. I mean, the, all the governments know they're here and have dealings with them. All the major church leaders know that they're here. There have been treaties going on probably since at least the 30s. They get broken all the time. More treaties were set up like in the 60s and 70s. And there's a lot of treaties between lots of different groups and businesses and aliens and governments and aliens. They're just a, a wide variety. But one of the, at a major conference in 1961, one of the, there was a, part of the treaty was a ban on open communication between humans and non-humans. So. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. You, wait, what, how do you think abductions come into play? Like the being taken? I uh, know that there's a couple of groups that are involved with that a lot more than others. There's other groups. There's, a lot of people are taken because, and government maybe has made a treaty with that particular alien race. It's okay, you can kidnap, swoop up this many people a year in exchange for technology. So it's usually a give and take. And sometimes they just swoop you up anyway. A lot of times when there's a major disaster and people go missing and they're never found, it's because they've been taken off planet. And for various reasons, and they're usually not good. And sometimes you have the greatest kidnapping people, and then they sell them off to other species. It, and sometimes they're taken to bases here on the Earth. A lot of times they're taken bases off the planet. That, from that perspective, I, it is, when was that? When they had, I think they called, it was a show called October Sky. With a guy that was, here. yeah, that was here in Arizona. That he mm -hmm. was a lum, I think it was a lumberjack up oh. in the mountains, up in the northern part of the state. He's one of the the more well known ones that said that they took him, and then he just oh, is that Travis a, Walton. I, to be honest with you, I don't know the name, oh. uh, but it sounds right. It sounds yeah. like Travis Walton. But he has been adamant about his abduction and what and how long he was right. gone and the right. time period that they took him away and and so forth. And I find that interesting because Arizona. We seem like it'd be a hot spot down here or a, a beacon. They had the, the Phoenix Lights. Yes. And we've had the Phoenix Lights <laughs> more than once, actually, that has come through here. There was one oh. that came through that was like a smaller version of the Phoenix Lights. Oh. Yeah, we saw an interesting documentary done by a group of individuals that had presented that. The Even from that perspective, I wish we would have been down here at that time. We came down after they that had passed through here, but that would have been fascinating, I think, to be able to be part of that and to be able to see that or experience that. From those perspectives, why do you think that they, they make themselves known from that perspective? Why would the aliens make themselves known or yeah. the ships? A lot so. of the, the, the Phoenix-like thing, <clears throat> it, it may have been, there is a base there near there, but that particular ship may have been having trouble. So I don't think it necessarily meant for people to see it, but 
from some information I have, it might have been in trouble. But there are a lot of species who want disclosure and want to be able to communicate with us and who want friendlier friendlier relationships with us. And there's a species that has a, a base in Australia and their whole purpose is as merchants. And they would just like to get to know us and associate with us so we can be their customers. Right now they buy stuff and export it out into space because they're not allowed to have anything to do with us. But they're friendly. They're nice dogs and they're friendly. It's, I've been a Star Trek guy since Star Trek started. As you can see by my gray beard, I'm not a young individual. So I, I grew up with I grew up with Star Trek. I grew up Me with too. all of the Star Treks, just the beginning and then followed all the movies, the Star Trek Next Generation, start all of them, along with uh, Stargate Atlantis, all of these brilliant shows, number one. And you stop and have to think that the things that Gene Roddenberry and some of these other individuals had put into their program that we now have in our hands, like a cell phone. The cell phone computer in your hand, like an iPhone, that right. literally is like a hundred thousand times more powerful than what landed the plate, the thing on the moon. You know what I mean? With the computers that it took to land on the moon were a huge warehouse full of computers managing a huge, they were surrounded by computers in the capsule to right. land on the moon. And what we've got in our hand is just a thousand, ten thousand times more powerful. That knowledge had to have come from somewhere. iPad had to come from somewhere. If you look at the old yes. Star Trek shows, what they have, they had an iPad. They pulled up an iPad. Star Trek Next Generation pulled up like an iPad. The scanners to scan people for different things. It's amazing because number one, the military was feeding Gene Roddenberry information. My, my husband had the nice, he knew him, but the military has, yeah, it's like, <laughs> uh, the military has been constantly feeding information to TV producers and filmmakers and things because that's how you get a soft disclosure and that's how you can judge the the people's reactions okay are they ready to know this much are they ready to know this much and it's interesting because yes we have been working we do get a lot of our technology from aliens i think a lot of us agree on that we wouldn't be as we wouldn't have the cell phones without them and i wouldn't be surprised if some of these private guys that are building rockets nowadays might have some communication with alien species to help them with their technology who knows even than what we're doing right now we're having a conversation recording a conversation and we're we don't we're not in the same room no. And I've talked yeah. to people all over the world. I've talked to people in Japan. I've talked to people in Taiwan. I've talked to people in Australia, in England, in Spain, in France. It's like they're in the same room with me. The technology that has been brought about today, I realize we're intelligent individuals and we all have a certain degree of intelligence that would move forward. And you go, would this be nice? When I was a kid, we used to watch the Jetsons and what they had, they had walkways, electronic walkways, and they had flying cars, of course, but they had the robots. They had all these different things, and they were in cartoons. It, it's interesting because people will ask me when I'm speaking or whatever, those aliens are look still like, like dinosaurs. They have claws. How do they use a computer? I go, with their mind or they're talking to it. They, they don't need a keyboard. And there's other species who maybe don't even have hands. They can still navigate their ships without hands to run the controls. It is amazing how obviously farther advanced other species are because we're just babies to them. 
when my husband met a lot of them in 1961, and he was a kid then, but as their civilizations are so much older and so farther advanced than we are. It's, it's like they didn't even think we were sentient beings. And there's a spacecraft that he used to fly, and she was created thousands of years ago, and her crew died off, and she floated around in space for a long time and then crashed on Earth. And my husband was like one of the only humans that she allowed on the ship, let alone navigate her. But it was all a mind communication thing. And if that's not advanced technology, I know we could probably do that a lot easier today, but it's like that was in the 70s. So... Yeah, that's amazing. That's kind or of 80s, that, 70s, early 80s, yeah, seventies. So yeah, this could turn into a four-hour conversation, but I know it always does because <laughs> I was like, he he's written several reports that I sell through my nonprofit, and um, it's and when I give it's like I have ten to fifteen talks I can go and give different places, and they're all at least an hour or two long. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. and obviously question. When you ask a question or you incite a question, it always incites another question. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one. Speaking of questions real quick, I know that sure. earlier, and I tagged this in the intro a little bit, you talk about the magic. So when you talk about magic, let's discuss that. What kind of magic? Like, not a magician, but no. magic. The magic that some, we would just call it, it's witchcraft. So... The magic is using natural laws to help move things along or, or get what you, not necessarily get what you want, but it's just using natural laws to help your life is an easy way to put it. So that's it. Sometimes there's spells. Sometimes you're just meditating and, and wanting something to happen or helping. It's like you can meditate to try and help the fires stop or focus the universe's energy to make it rain somewhere so that those fires will stop. And if enough of you are doing it, that can bring about a, a nice rainstorm. So yeah, and magic's been a part of Mark's life. There's been several people in his life that are witches. And so as we got to know each other, so that, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to know more. And, and I'd read about stuff that he would talk about in the different reports he's written. And then I would do some studying. And I met this lady. She's another bookkeeper like me. And I walked into her house to for a bookkeeping reason. And I noticed her on her, like, desk by the door, whatever, a table by the door, she was going to be offering a class on just the basics of witchcraft or magic. And I'm going, oh, <laughs> and she recognized something in me so that she knew it was part of me, even though I didn't really know that it was yet. But right. something inside me woke up and it's been waking up over the last 20 years. Yeah, that's part of my life. And it's I, I, I practice very simply by myself usually. And I've taken a lot of classes and I talk to which is passed on and get wonderful wisdom. And so do you believe in life after death? I do. <laughs> I do. And I do now, which is interesting, because when I was a Mormon, I believed in life after death, but not reincarnation. And now that I, I gave that up and I've been learning, it's like, oh, I've most definitely had more than one life. And I've had people from the other side say, I was your master teacher in 800 BC and you were a, like a, remember the TV show, the Kung Fu TV show? Okay. I was one of those. It's, I could do the moving of the hands and it's using the energy and it's, you don't necessarily have to hit the guy, but I was that kind of master level. 
And it's not like I saw I've been a man more than once, apparently in other lives. And I've been a doctor and I've done all kinds of things. And I've known my husband in several lifetimes, apparently. I know I don't have a lot of details on this, but I know I've lived in the medieval times and I'm sure I lived in Atlantis or one of those interesting civilizations. I think I was a dolphin once. So I've had several lifetimes and I don't know a lot about them, but my my most vivid memories, like another time I was in England and my friend at the time she lived in the part of England, it's called Kent. It's like a county. And right. that's where Dover Castle is and the cliffs of Dover, all that stuff. So we went to Do- Dover Castle and we walked into the throne room and all of a sudden I was just like frozen to in my riveted to the floor and just got this like deja vu. I knew I had been in that castle at some point in my life or in one of my lifetimes because, oh, it just it was amazing. I, I Tears just started flowing and I don't know who was walking around me. It's like everything just passed. I was in my own little world at that moment. It's like, huh. <laughs> Anyway, so I I know I've had many past lives. Yeah, I believe in that wholeheartedly. I think that, and I've spoken to people through my program that uh, believe in reincarnation, and I think that it allows us as a soul to continue to learn right. before you learn something, and then you move forward, and you learn something, and you move forward till you get to a, a level that you're comfortable with, and you can maybe rest. <laughs> And just having you have me mention that, it's interesting because the Kung Fu guy, he was all about moving the energy. And that's, I, I really resonate with that. And it's, oh, I was able to do that back then. And I'm not an expert at it, but I certainly understand right. it much better now. And it's, it's, it's coming back. And it's, oh. <laughs> you know, it's, I believe in chi and I believe in uh, the healing. Um, powers of moving chi around. I use utilize mm-hmm. it in my qigong that mm-hmm. I practice, and I use like utilize it in tai chi. That's what helped me manage my disease, actually. So, oh, good. I do acupuncture, and we do energy work and things like that to help manage it. I'm not on any medication for my disease. It's managed mostly by herbs and diet and qigong and chi and energy mm-hmm. and acupuncture. So, I believe in nice. that wholeheartedly. You brought up Atlantis. If I can ask you this real quick, do you think Atlantis is? Uh, Alien related? I don't know a lot about Atlantis. Um, I, I'm sure there must have been something. I don't know a lot about it. I'm sure it wouldn't surprise me if there was some alien activity going on there. I know it was very special, and the people that lived there definitely had some energy and magic type stuff going on, but I don't know about the, but it's like, I think that had definitely some alien stuff. I don't know a lot about those civilizations, but I'm very attracted to knowing more. All these things that you've learned and all these things that have come about with you, and as well as the uh, UFO incidents that motivated you to write a book. Yes. Can we talk about that? Yeah, it's interesting because I don't know where I got the idea, but okay, I'll start back. When you're a Mormon, they encourage you to write your family history and write your autobiography. So I had done a lot of family history research. And over the years, I had written lots about my life and my life stories. And I kept a journal. So I've got lots of notes on the idiots I married. But and then for some reason, oh, I know here, this is why. Okay, it's like, why did I write this book? Several years back, one of the first conferences I went, one of my friends was producing some super soldier slash mind control conferences. 
And I don't know whether I was a speaker or I was just like on the panel and I had a booth there. And this woman I'd never met, we're all leaving the room and she stops me and I'm saying hello and we introduce ourselves. She goes, okay, so like, when's the next story? And I go, Mark should be writing something. No, I mean your story. And that was at least 10, at least 10 years ago. I don't know exactly when I'd have to look back, but it's, and it's like, oh. And so like over the years, I would, when I'd be at different conferences and you had downtime, I was like taking notes and like making, okay, here's what I could put in my book and my stories and my, my things. And then a former bookkeeping client of mine showed up at a networking meeting I was at and, oh, I'm doing some writing workshops. I, oh, okay. I'm now I'm really intrigued. So let's, and that gave me the, the platform to start really digging and writing more. And then I said, well, I'm going to go full board. And my daughter said, yeah, write a book. And so I wrote a book. And it's not a long book, but it, it takes you through my childhood and, and why I kept getting married so many times and all the people I was married to. And, and then there's several chapters on my husband and how we met and how we you know got together and how he introduced me to all these woo-woo topics. And that just suddenly launched me into okay, I, I do have fairy experiences. I've had ghost experiences since before I met him. And it was just all making sense. And you know, it didn't take me long after I'd met him and we started talking about other spiritual things or whatever. I just, the church no, no longer suited me. I didn't need mm -hmm. it anymore. And so I wrote this book and it was really a good way for me to process what I've gone through. And it's okay, what did I learn from each of those crappy marriages? <laughs> and I, I made it through. Some of them were crappier than others, and but I made it through. What can I say? Because I don't see myself as a victim, but I, I, a survivor. But it's, I learned things out of each one. And now I'm a much stronger person than I ever was before. And I stand up for myself. And I'm a badass witch. That's, a good, I'm a that, that's the title of your next book, Badass Witch. <laughs> That's a that's a title that that's a good title for a movie. See, yeah, there's a there's, some, there's a T-shirt with that on it, and it just came to my mind. But it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's the head bewitched instead of bewitched. I'm a badass witch. Yeah, I do a whole television series. <laughs> my microphone keeps drooping. Keep having to pull shit up. I don't understand. That's the gremlins uh -oh. at work. See, they're going. No, Ooh. you don't want to talk about that. That you've had a very diverse, interesting life that has brought you to a point of being an author. Because in the beginning, I don't think, I think in your notes, you said you never actually thought about being one. It, no. it just had come about to this particular point. So I know life always brings us to the point that we're supposed to be. You give talks all across the world in regard to UFOs and extraterrestrials and paranormal and things like that. Could you help us understand how to find you and more about your book and how to buy it? Sure. The book, I have a website, dragonhillbooks.net. So you can order the book through me or at least read more about it on the website. And there's also a couple of fiction books uh, my husband wrote and I published several years back. So they're on there as well. You can also get the book through Amazon and Barnes and Noble and various, it's on Kindle and print and various other ebook sites. And then I have two nonprofits, which I probably didn't send you, but edhca.org and edhq.org for Earth Defense Headquarters, which is my nonprofit. And it really gets into the space stuff. And I have several reports that Mark has written about his experiences with UFOs and space missions and that kind of thing. The book is about my life and then my, ex my personal experiences with 
UFOs, paranormal, fairies, witchcraft, and intuition and how I protect myself. And knowing that I am on a path to at least share what I know or know more. And if if somebody needs to hear what I have to say, I, I'm here to share that. I think that it's an interesting fact that we're not alone. And right. because we're not alone, you, people should be more aware of the, what is out there and who is out there, I think, in regard to it. Because the even the latest government report that they finally released, right. <laughs> they said, well, there's a few things that we really explain. I think right. that was just, what were they, they were presented with so much evidence and there was so much video evidence, literally from the military, that they had to come up with a, yeah, there's a few things that we can't explain. So maybe possibility, but we all know it's true. And one of my goals is to sit down with a bunch of different friendly aliens, have tea, and just chat. And it's, I talk a lot about the raptors when I give talks, but like that one species, and, and they're not the only species that's spiritual, but it's like they are dinosaurs. They're scary looking, but they're our friends at this moment. And they have a good sense of humor. They love music. They love to dance. They love education, but they're very spiritual. And I always give a quote, and I forgot to bring it out with me here, but it's like, there are many things out there in the universe that I want to know more about and that are you know, definitely worth getting to know. And they don't all hate us out there, but they don't all necessarily want us out in space either. But I would just love to have a big piece of property where we can have tea and nobody's going to shoot them. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I think that, yeah, I have an open invitation to my backyard anytime they want to show. I'm ready. It, it works Good. for me. And Thank you very much. I really appreciate the uh, You're so welcome. with us on this uh, conversation. And this is one more thing before you go. So are, is there any advice or any words of wisdom you'd like to share with uh, our listeners and our viewers before you go? I would say do not live in fear and embrace the magic, whatever that is in your life. Those are good so, words of wisdom. Those yeah, are great words of wisdom, actually. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate you. Please be sure to follow us, subscribe. It's free. You can find us not only here on YouTube, but on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, and any of your other favorite listening platforms. There's too many of them for me to remember. Please download our free app in the iTunes store and on Google Play. You can take it anywhere. You can take one more thing before you go anywhere. There you go. Compliments of Superpass. They're our sponsor. You can find all the details in the show notes and on one more thing before you go.com and before you go podcast.com. And I will make sure that the information regard to uh, getting Joanne's book and her other services will also be on the show notes. And again, I want to be able to say thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. That's BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.